Hello, and welcome to Idioms and Idiots. This is episode 007. I'm your host, Ryan. With me today is Justin. Hello, hello. Last episode, we left you with a cliffhanger idiom, cold turkey. So, Justin, go ahead and take it from here on cold turkey. Cold turkey may actually come from talk turkey, like we talked about last week. And it may have been like a juxtaposition to that alternate definition of talk turkey, where talk turkey was like nonsense, gobble, gobble, gobble. And then talking cold turkey was like the opposite. Oh, it was talking like seriousness? Yeah. Oh, okay. So if you if you go cold turkey or talk cold turkey, you're getting serious. And yeah. Talk cold turkey is actually... Is that an actual idiom used yeah, somewhere? That is an expansion of talk turkey. Talk cold turkey means the same thing as talk turkey. Okay. So it was expanded to talk cold turkey, which meant seriousness. And then now that was then shortened to cold turkey. And talk turkey with two separate definitions. Yeah. Which is one theory. Okay. There are other postulations. It means like quick and unprepared, mm-hmm. like cold turkey, like as a leftover, oh. you can just grab it and eat it. Okay. Well, that doesn't really match too well. It could also come from eating cold turkey after a holiday like Thanksgiving or Christmas when, when you would typically have been drinking lots of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you go to cold turkey and no alcohol. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so opposite of the dog of the hair that bit you. Then. What? I'll go ahead and talk about this because I, in planning the next several episodes, I couldn't find anywhere to use this idiom. But the, the hair of the dog that bit you is a hangover. It's supposed to be a hangover remedy, where the dog that bit you when you're hungover is alcohol. Okay. So, <laughs> so you drink the same type of alcohol that you got really drunk on? Yeah, or you just take some alcohol, like a shot or a Bloody Mary, is a common cure because it's tomato juice, which is supposed to give you vitamins back, and then some vodka in there to bring your alcohol levels up. But really all that does is returns your blood alcohol level to a higher amount. So you're no longer going through withdrawal. <laughs> that's the pseudoscience behind that's, that's the actual science behind it. The pseudoscience is that it actually cures a hangover. It doesn't. So, so the idea is if you just keep drinking ad infinitum, yeah. you will never have a hangover. Exactly. <laughs> You'll just be drunk all the time. I think I could have figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> so cold turkey comes from talk turkey talk cold turkey yeah okay talk turkey cold turkey talk cold turkey all right so the topic for today's episode is horses. i'll be honest i have never seen the appeal of horses they're large creatures that can do a lot of work and i appreciate them for that but i've never quite gotten the appeal of them you don't want one is what you're saying yeah. If I owned a, if I owned you... a farm, I would totally be about okay. having a horse because I could make it do work. But all of your neighbors that have horses in their backyards, you're not you're not doing that. Yes. Yes. All <laughs> of my neighbors that have that. I never had horse posters on my wall growing up. Oh, I never, I, okay. I guess you. I've just never seen the appeal of horses, which in doing research for this episode, a lot of people have a very strong affinity towards horses. Doing this research, I did come across quite a few interesting facts. Well, facts and interesting comments. One of them was that uh, horses' skulls are constructed like sound boxes. And one Irish historian, social historian, said that to give a clear tap of dancing feet at a time when music and dancing were an important part of social life in rural communities, Irish people would put horses' skulls under their floorboards so that the tapping of dancing would resonate from the horse's skull. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. That's phenomenal. <laughs> I know, it's great. Another fun fact. 
I feel I feel very bad for this horse and trainer. In the 17th century Europe, there was a horse trainer and his horse named Morocco. They would go around and do the horse would do tricks. Well, they went to Arles, France, probably mispronouncing that, and they performed their show. And the town people who were very superstitious and religious thought that this man was doing the work of the devil because no horse could do these things. <laughs> and they burned both him and the horse in the town square. Uh, I will admit that you sent me that dressage video. <laughs> I I was not thinking possession. I was, I was mostly just bored. <laughs> <laughs> it is impressive what a horse can be trained to do. But wow, that's really sad. This was not an uncommon thing to think that a horse trainer could make a pact with the devil because there's a ritual called Water of the Moon in which you can sell your soul to the devil to become a horse whisperer, right? So here's the process. Step one, get frog or toad. Step two, kill it. Step three, hang it from a thorn bush until it's just a skeleton. Step four, on the night of a full moon, throw the skeleton into a running stream. This is where the witchcraft starts. Step five, wait for the fork-shaped bone to dislodge from the skeleton and float upstream against the current. Step six, you concentrate on that bone. While it's still in the water, focus on that. Do not be distracted by the sudden sounds of trees and bushes thrashing and the earth crackling and groaning, which will happen when you concentrate on this fork-shaped bone. Step seven, you take the bone out and keep it with you. Step eight, profit. (laughs) (laughs) You now have the power to whisper to horses. I mean, you don't have a soul anymore, but you can, you know, whisper to horses for what that's worth. Which in 17th century France is not much. (laughs) So is this a 17th century French witchcraft recipe or is this something you just made up? This is not something I made up. I actually do have a book that I got this out of. Whether they made it up, I don't know, but... Everything else in their book, in this book, was credible because I okay. did check some of the other things. Those are my random facts that I couldn't really fit into anywhere else in this episode, but I, I thought would be fitting. <laughs> I guess that's potpourri corner. Sure. This, this is the lobby to our episode, since we have corners and idiom walls. This is the lobby. Okay. The foyer. <laughs> idiom number one to beat a dead horse or to flog a dead horse. This means to continue on with a futile effort. Sometimes, I think more often, it's used when you're just really hammering a point home or when you keep making a point after you've already won people over on your point. Right, and they're like, all right, we get it, we get it, we get it. You're beating the dead horse. Yeah, If if you want to bring salesmanship into it, once you have made the sale, do not continue to talk about the product. (laughs) So, Justin... Do you, have, uh, do you have any ideas on where this idiom came from? Well, I mean, it's obvious, right? This has to come from the days when horses were used to pull things. And if the horse died, then it no longer served any purpose to keep beating. Whereas when it was alive, you could beat it to make it go faster. Yeah. But once it's dead, nothing is accomplished by beating it. You're pretty correct on that. I guess my question would be, how old is this? It's roughly the mid-1800s. However, the phrase dead horse actually goes back earlier to the 17th century, where dead horse was uh, was used to describe work that was paid in advance, which was always a bad idea. That was like paying for a dead horse. Like you're going to pay someone $500 to dig you a ditch before they've ever dug a ditch. And the concern was that, well, you give them $500, they're going to go off, start a new life, or go spend it all on booze or, or whatnot. Your money is just 
just as well spent on a dead horse, but at least you could eat a dead horse. But the, the phrase flog a dead horse does come from the, from the mid-1850s, and it's attributed to John Bright, who is an English politician. He was speaking to Parliament, and they had a lot of apathy towards an issue, and in his speech he said it was like trying to flog a dead horse to make it pull a load. Yeah, so you are correct. That one is pretty self-explanatory. Our next corner is Portmanteau Corner. For those unfamiliar with portmanteaus, they are a combining of two words together to form one word. Often, that meaning has a combined meaning of the two in, of the two unique words. What we do in this corner is we look at portmanteaus and decide whether they should be part of the English language or not. Five is we keep it. We add it to the dictionary. One is it needs to be removed from the face of the earth, yeah. banished off to wherever words go to die. Our first portmanteau is bronies. <laughs> And I think this is probably more of a broism than a portmanteau. But so, what does it this mean exactly? So, bronies are a uh, is a subculture of adult men who are into the cartoon My Little Pony Friendship Is Magic, which is the reboot of the My Little Pony franchise. Okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this word, Justin? Well, I haven't seen My Little Pony, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't strike me as the sort of thing that would have like a multi-age appeal (laughs) (laughs) so i find it a little bit baffling okay i have not watched it because if there's enough of a subculture in it of people of men my age and (laughs) roughly of my of my same demographic like i have not watched any episodes because i'm scared i'm gonna pick up something in it and be like oh this is actually this is a phenomenal show why isn't everyone else watching it and then i will become a brony (laughs) so on on the portmanteau level yeah meh Meh. Okay. But as a subculture, it's intriguing, I mm-hmm. guess, is yeah. the word. <laughs> Maybe baffling is better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, bronies, you're meh on that. I can't separate myself from the weirdness of adult men really into a show called My Little Pony. Friendship, Friendship is, magic. is Magic. Yep. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to give it a four, mostly just for its descriptiveness. I think I think it's a, it's a good word. Useful. If any bronies out there want to defend themselves and make their case, do, wait, go do. somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next portmanteau we're looking at is unicorn. And now this is a portmanteau that is not in native English portmanteau. Okay. And it actually is una, which of course means one, and cornus, which is Latin for horn. So it is actually unicorn. Yeah, but isn't uni a, a prefix? Let me look this up. Is it a standalone word? I mean, maybe it is, but it's definitely a prefix in our language. I'm calling you out on not this not being a portmanteau. Okay. <laughs> of course, I also said the last one was more of a broism than a portmanteau. Okay. So uni actually is a word forming element, so it is a prefix in Latin. However, there is also the form unus, u n u s, which is just one. All right, I'll give it to you. The last one is. Wait, are we going to talk about unicorn? Oh, like what it is? or Oh, yeah, yeah. Like rank it or... Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm totally cool with Unicorn. It's pretty useful. We Yeah. So I'm giving it a solid five, unless you have a better... It's hard. Well, I like I don't use either of the components of it. Yeah. So for purposes, I'm only aware of it as like a word. So the last one is... Um, I put this in here because it's uh, kind of a reverse portmanteau in that it is a word that describes two things <laughs> being smashed together. Oh, this, this makes wor- sense now. This I was go- about to <laughs> call you out on another one being like... 
The word is centaur. Yeah, okay. Yep. Torso up is a human, waist down is a horse. Yeah. This is from Greek mythology. (laughs) Yeah, centaur is a word that describes a animal, human, portmanteau. So what you're saying is we should be calling them humorses. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Portmanteau to describe two actual things, just... We could do like Equina Sapien. <laughs> I'm trying to think what mer- mermaid is. Um, mare comes from sea. Yeah. And then maid is maiden, woman, yeah. I guess. So like uh, Terra Stag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, doesn't that just mean land horse? Yeah. <laughs> Stag is a deer, I guess. Yeah. Terra Stud. Because <laughs> I have never seen a flabby centaur. They're all yeah. pretty nice rippling six packs, good pecs. <laughs> No, humans are on land too, aren't they? Equistud. All right, we're going to move on. Okay. <laughs> idiom number two, to be high on one's horse. This uh, this idiom. <laughs> what? That is not how this is said. What? To be high on a horse. Yeah, to be on a high horse. Yeah, well, to be high on one. It, okay, so here it is. <laughs> to be high on one's horse. Most of the time, this is said. Like, get off your high horse, or someone's on their high horse. Right. I guess I think of the word high as an adjective for horse. So you're on a high horse, or you need to get off your high horse. You just said it in a way that I wasn't expecting. Okay. Well, when I hear be on a high horse, I think back to the times when people actually rode horses. And even before, like, the 1800s, when having a horse would have been like having a car. Like, it would have been expensive, required you take care of it Mm -hmm. and so i just imagine british gentry riding around on their high horse above all the peasants working their land so your physical position atop that beast is a statement of your status people typically people that are physically higher than others are we we assign that as a higher status in life a higher position in life like org charts in in offices People at the top of the page on the org chart are the the highest ranking individuals on there. Also in Japanese game shows, when you get something right, your platform goes up. When you get something wrong, your platform goes down. You don't need to sell me on this. (laughs) No, I should stop beating that dead horse. Yeah. I like to picture uh, the French Revolution as bringing everyone down off their high horses. (laughs) Making everyone about a foot shorter. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, you are correct. And actually your initial... Um, issue with the way I phrased it, high horse actually is a phrase. So the, the, a high horse is a type of horse, like a war horse. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, being on a high horse means that you're in charge. You're... The commanding officer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get off your high horse means stop bossing me around. Used metaphorically, it's like, you're not the general in this army. Our next corner is the engineering corner. Building a better horse. We're going to look at some horse-based patents and, uh, I don't know, just general musings on these. So our first set of patents is the uh, alternate horse-based transit patents. First one, the man-powered horse boat, which I think we could definitely come up with a portmanteau for. (laughs) Do you want to try to describe this one, Justin? From what I can tell, this is a boat that looks like a horse or the upper half of a horse so that it would appear as though a horse were swimming. And then a person is not so much riding it as, like, embedded where the saddle should be. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of inside of it. Right, with their legs through it, 
into the hull and then they have like pedals down there to power up small propeller yeah it's kind of like a paddle boat but instead of being like an incumbent bike you're actually kind of standing up on a bike seat the pedals are down below the water he still has a hold of the reins though those don't appear to be attached to any rudder mechanism so (laughs) well it's hard for me to know what he was going for here because the seat that he's sitting on is mounted like two feet below where you would normally sit on a horse. And the person is like inside the horse partially. I don't see any obvious reason why you couldn't be sitting roughly where you would normally be sitting if you were riding on a horse in the water. Other than your legs would need to be in the middle so that you could pedal. So was this part of his line of <laughs> paddle boats that look like animals? The cow boat, the bison boat, the deer boat. They're just like all large herbivores as boats <laughs> powered from the inside. <laughs> Along with this is the mechanical horse. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Just a big old, yeah. one big central gear in the chest that I, is... I was trying to work through the gearing of this. Would this work? Oh, man. He has no reducing gears in this. So, like, any pedaling you're doing is going straight into pushing this thing forward. Is this something that you would actually ride on? Is that, was that the goal of this? Or is this, like, is this like just a bad animatronic horse? I think it's a bad animatronic. Well, let's go down to the, to the meat of this. Um, this invention relates to mechanical animals. Oh, so this guy's the guy with the line of mechanical animal. <laughs> <laughs> so the object of... The invention is to provide a mechanical horse of convenient size for a person to ride on, and of such construction that the rider may operate the horse with his feet, causing it to walk, guiding it, and I attain this object by a novel construction and arrangement of parts illustrated in the accompanying drawings. So, yeah, he wanted you to be able to ride and pedal this horse around town. Wow, this was a swing and a miss. If you're going to go through this much trouble, I mean, obviously... It's a bicycle. By a bicycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the bicycle does not have the elegance of like the, No, of one, a no horse. one ever tells you to get off your bicycle. They always want you to get off your high horse. <laughs> now, now he, should have, he should have done what C.L. Johnson did, which was just to make a motorized horse. And it's a horse where at its hooves are four wheels with a suspension going between <laughs> all four of them. Wait, wait, wait. This... Wait, is this a fake horse? It is a mechanical horse. I read through the patent. Well, I read the first part of the patent. I I don't really waste my time with the body of most of these patents. <laughs> the pictures are enough. But it has wheels. It has wheels, and the wheels are motor-driven by a motor in the hindquarters of the horse. With And actually, this is an electric motor horse because in the body of the horse are several lead-acid batteries. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The pioneer of green technology. <laughs> <laughs> Ride a horse, but... Horses produce methane, so we're going to use an electric horse. Of course, all the- this lead acid can't be bad for the environment. <laughs> so now we're going to uh, go on to the next section, which is the horse training apparatuses. Um, we have the horse controlling device. It hangs off of the horse and has these straps that go around each leg. Oh, so is this how they train horses for dressage? Like to get them to do all those different types of steps? Yeah, so it's breaking and so it's used for breaking and training colts. Um, okay. So I think the idea is that it's going to just restrain them enough until they just learn to be submissive. Based on all the horse training material I've been reading over the last two weeks, um, is not a good way to do it. There's also this is a device for training horses' manes. Oh, this is just like a big flat iron. <laughs> Pretty so much. It only like clamps down to keep its mane all on one side, I guess. 
So if you if it wears this for long enough, then it, it'll naturally fall to one side or the other. I guess, yeah. It's like a, it looks kind of like a giant horsey barrette. Yeah. Uh, the next one is the the horse, horse neck poke, and I think that's supposed to teach them to keep their necks straight. Oh, interesting. And really, it's just a bunch of metal rods that are on two chains, and you put it around the horse's neck so that it can't really look side to side without stabbing itself in the neck. Pretty much, yeah. Or chin. Yep. Patented eighteen ninety. And the last one is one of my favorites. Professor Sample's horse training machine. I read quite a few stories on this uh, over the weekend. <laughs> the apparatus for the treating or taming ho- horses. Yep. So they, they lead the horse into this. They strap him down. This device just spins them around. It's hooked up to... What? A, yes. It, it, like vertically or horizontally? No, horizontally. So it just it's like a merry-go-round for horses. Okay. If you put a horse in the center of a merry-go-round and spun it around, that's what this oh, device does. Oh, I see does. that now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's motor-operated, and the idea was that it would disorient the horse into submission. So was this designed as, like, a punishment? Like, if it wasn't... Or... If it was just a wild horse, if, if the horse wouldn't calm down enough, you would put them in here, assuming <laughs> that they were calm like enough to go into that. like a problem you would have that. before you would get it into this thing. <laughs> yeah, and then they would kind of lose their fight, so then you could easily <laughs> train them. Honestly, like after I get off a merry-go-round and I'm ready to, you know, chuck a bucket, I'm I'm really not willing to put up a fight. All right, our last our last uh, topic in this uh, in the engineering corner is the war horse, starting with the saddle-mounted spear. Doesn't this look like it belongs in a cartoon? Yeah. So it has a spikes on scissor extensions. Yes. So that you can ride on your horse like a cartoon villain and then <laughs> shoot out spikes on. It. I just I imagine these being controlled by two like plungers and you just drop your arms, <laughs> raise them, drop them, raise them, and the spikes just shoot out sideways from the horse. <laughs> I, I guarantee stab your opponent. I guarantee you that's what the patent inventor came, had in mind. This was patented in 1917. We also have the horse armor, which oh interesting, yeah, it looks to like guard it from barbed wire fences. Yeah, it looks kind of like a like chainmail, but only for the front of the horse. It covers like the neck the chest, and then the upper legs in the front. I suppose it'd be good for war if, you know, you were trying to take out your horse. I do find it interesting that the example photo here shows the horse walking into a barbed wire fence. Like, isn't that the (laughs) point of having barbed wire is to keep horses in? Oh, yeah. Like, if they they were wearing this, could they not just break fences down? Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, run fast enough. Eventually, you'll get enough momentum to break it. This is too little, too late for horse armor. And then the wire horse fly defense. Every time I've been around a horse, I always feel so bad for them. Just the, the flies that are all over right. them. But not as bad as I would feel if I saw a horse wearing this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's wire bristles hanging off of every location on this horse. Right, all hung together with like awkward straps and wires. It looks very regal. Like... No. Ceremonial. Like, I, I, I think there's a no. chariot attached to the back end of this horse, maybe. I mean, maybe if, like, the wire bristles were all, like, red or something, maybe I could see that. It looks way worse than having flies bother you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would feel bad for this horse. 1896. Patented by H.C. Carter. Horse fly net and cover. Much more expensive than fly paper. <laughs> or a fly swatter. Actually, they already I, have a fly swatter. I mean, that's what oh, their tail's the for. tail, yeah. And actually, I bet for as much as that probably cost in the day... You could pay someone to just stand there with a fly swatter. So many dreams crushed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Just because you have a patent doesn't mean it's a good idea. (laughs) Just imagining all of these sad inventors. No one wants anything that they're selling. (laughs) 
I don't know. Maybe these people did have, maybe this was just like a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) I like drawing pictures of things on horses. (laughs) Idiot number three, straight from the horse's mouth. This is something often said with a piece of truth to someone who is skeptical of your statement. Straight from the horse's mouth means I received this from the source. So I think that, uh, I really don't know where this comes from. (laughs) I have two answers that are like most likely wrong. Oh, go ahead. Okay. I think it could be like testing for disease. Testing for disease. On horses. Oh, okay. So you could like take swabs from anywhere. Oh, swabs. Or you could get a swab straight from the horse's mouth. And that would be, that would be the best way of testing. I see. So a better indicator of disease is in the mouth as opposed to swapping other parts of the horse. Yeah, or like it's feces when you don't know who's, I mean, it's in the, it's in the stall, oh. it could be theirs, it could be that horse's, it could be some other horse's. Oh, okay. Th- this is a swab of straight from the horse's mouth. Okay. But I imagine it being older than germ theory. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know if that holds up as like a germ theory. My other idea, um, wasn't there a show... You're thinking of Mr. Ed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> About a talking horse. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. And no one would talk to a horse, of course. Unless, of course, that famous horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Yeah. Go right to the source and ask the horse. I'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Ed. This is this is my other theories that it comes from this. <laughs> and I, I'm glad that you were able to fill in my total lack of knowledge on <laughs> what Mr. Ed is as a cultural reference. I, I don't. I know nothing about this show. Okay. I, other than it's a horse that talks. So it's about going to the horse and hearing it straight from the horse. Okay. All right. That's... And, and did his mouth move? It did. They gave him peanut butter. Oh, okay. And that's what his... So his mouth yeah, moved so, they him and they filmed him. So it's not just the fact that he has a voice, but that voice is straight from the horse's mouth. That's, okay. That's my legitimate guess. Okay. Had this been your episode, I would have used that as my total bullshit answer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And it took like how many years before E-Trade was like, oh, you probably do that peanut butter thing with babies. (laughs) (laughs) So this idiom actually has a tie-in to Professor Sample's horse training machine. All right. Strap in. Wait, was his name Professor Sample's? His, His stage name was Professor Sample's. He always went by Professor Right. Samples, though. Yes. This patent application was the first time I saw what his first name was. Because <laughs> in every everything I read about him, it was always Professor Samples. <laughs> but Professor Samples, he actually had a lot of students. He was an American that went to Australia. And in Australia, he gained a lot of students there. And then he went to England to do these stage shows. Well, when he moved to England, all of his students up and left him and did their own shows in direct competition with him. All of so his what students was the premise of the show? Watch me have this horse do all these cool tricks. Okay. Okay. Now watch me spin this horse around. <laughs> that was later in his career. <laughs> yes. That was later in his career was when he did that. Kind of when he was all on the downward spiral. Because all of his students were much... Uh, I like what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> all of his students were much more successful than he was. And uh, one of his students, by the last name of Galvain... He had actually developed a method for determining a horse's age based on their teeth. That's where this phrase comes from. When you want to know how old a horse is, you can look at their teeth and get an idea of their age. 
Okay. So if you ask... And this is legit? Like, yeah, can, that, that okay. is legit. The other possible explanation, which is where look a gift horse in the mouth comes from, is that you can tell if a horse chews on their bit by looking at their teeth, how ground down their teeth are. Okay. But for this idiom specifically, the one I'd seen over and over again was the method of telling a horse's age by looking at its teeth, developed by Mr. Galvain, a pupil and direct competitor to Professor Samples, the horse-spinning wonder. <laughs> Rest in peace. Actually, one of his students publicly called out Professor Samples as a sham. And so they staged this huge, like, three-day horse training throwdown. Like, <laughs> his pupil versus Professor Samples' horse training machine. Why isn't this a movie? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like, kind of like the prestige, only sadder. <laughs> when he starts his downward spiral, yeah. we do, like, the newspaper shot that they used to do. Yeah, with the spinning it's... newspaper, except it's a sp- Spinning horse. <laughs> like it's a downward zoom in on a spinning horse. And then <laughs> Welcome to the collective noun corner. We look at a word, its current collective noun, and then come up with a better collective noun if at all possible. The first word we're coming up with a collective noun for is horses. Is it not a herd? Herd is one of them. Okay. Yes. There's also a band of horses which I kind of oh, okay. like. There's also an... There's like a drummer and a guitarist. I think there is a band called Band of Horses, actually. Oh, there is, yeah. Yes. So yeah, you can also do a stable. And if they're actually harnessed together, they're called a team of horses. Right, okay. Okay. An obsolete of horses. An obsolete of horses. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that works. Commentary on horses as a mode of transportation. All right, I like that one. So the next one... Uh, actually, the next four on our list don't have collective nouns currently. None okay. I can find. Ponies. It's really just baby horses. So I'm thinking like a cradle of ponies, a rainbow of ponies. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can think of. It's like a, a My Little of ponies. <laughs> a studio apartment of ponies. <laughs> a herdette. Of oh, ponies. yeah. A bandette. A bandana of ponies. <laughs> I like that, actually. Yeah. That actually sounds kind of badass for ponies. <laughs> All right, so let's try uh, centaur. Collective noun for centaurs. Uh, a, feed- a chain of centaurs. A chain of centaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a feed bag of centaurs, but I guess that's the other, that's the wrong way. A concatenation of centaurs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how about unicorns? A pincushion of unicorns. Oh, Works pretty well, actually. That's a good one. I was thinking um, a kebab of unicorns. <laughs> Is there a collective noun for narwhals? Oh, we should look that up. I still am not convinced narwhals are real. <laughs> a skepticism of narwhals. <laughs> you think that's just a sailor's tale that we haven't debunked yet? <laughs> yes. And the internet just latched on to it. We're like, oh no, we're making these real. <laughs> I see a blessing of narwhals. That sounds made up. Yeah. Then again, some of these do. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick with skepticism of narwhals, but maybe a, maybe a dream of unicorns, a fantasy of unicorns, a dream boat of unicorns, a dream boat. <laughs> that could also work for centaurs too. <laughs> Idiom number four: See a man about a horse. I typically have heard this used. This in, is a euphemism. Sort of. So it is currently used as a euphemism to yeah. mean go to the bathroom. Right. But prior to that, it was just, I have some other matters to attend to. I'm, oh, bu- okay. I'm busy right now. I have to see a man about a horse. Okay. Thoughts? I, I want to uh, assign pretension to the origin of this idiom. <laughs> okay. Because 
Because back again, when horses were expensive and important, this would be like, oh, like I need to go talk to the BMW dealer about my purchase. Or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I have to tend to my Rolls Royce. Right. <laughs> All right. That makes sense. It's wrong, but that makes sense. <laughs> what if I use the phrase, I have to see a man about a dog? How would that change your perception? Um, it would change it a lot because, I don't know, I, f- I think of horses as being bought and sold. And I think of dogs as just like around. Like, I don't think you- buying a dog wouldn't be a big deal. The phrase actually originally, well, that we use today, see a man about a horse, actually was see a man about a dog. That's kind of what it came from. Hmm. And... It came from a play titled The Flying Scud or A Four-Legged Fortune. Four-Legged Fortune meaning uh, a horse or a dog, a racetrack. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't clue into this. This is from horse betting. Yeah. This is, okay, or dog race betting. Yeah. And so the line was, excuse me, Mr. Quail, I can't stop. I've got to see a man about a dog. It was taken from that and used in popular culture to mean I have to go do something that is, I don't know, somewhat seedy. Like I have to go bet on horses or I have to go see a mistress or I have to go to the bar to get some booze along those lines. And and the way it's phrased is like that. Like I'm going to go bet on a dog at the dog race. Yeah. But he phrased it in such a way that is more ambiguous. It sounds more legitimate. (laughs) I'm going to go see a man about a dog. Yeah. Yeah, or I have, to, okay. I have to see a man about a horse. Well, it's yeah, it's now a euphemism for I got to go pee. Actually, as I heard someone say at work, I have to go tinkle. We can go through a euf- all the euphemisms for defecation on a podcast if you'd like. Yeah, that's one on my list. <laughs> Our next section is sports. Justin, are you familiar with the song The Name Game? Justin, Justin, Bo Bustin, Banana, Fana, Fofustin, Me, My, Mo, Mustin, Justin. No. So, no. You're not familiar with that game? No. Really? Okay. So you can plug anyone's name into that? Yeah. And it was it was a song from the 50s that was somewhat popular. Popular enough that... Okay. I wasn't okay. alive then. Well, I wasn't either. <laughs> it was popular enough that people my age, which I'm not that much older than you, know it not from the song, but from other people singing it. And it's always fun to try to pick names that get people to say dirty words. Like, my father-in-law's name, Chuck, is totally off-limits to the nephews <laughs> when we play the game. <laughs> but anyway, so that's the name game. I wanted to create my own version of the name game with horses. This sports segment I'm calling the name game. <laughs> okay. With the help of the Jockey Club horse name registry, we plug in a person's name, and then we read back the names that come from that name. And we're thinking about good ways to go through a list of names, the Bible comes to mind because in the Old Testament, when they would go through the lineage of people, okay. it was just page after page of names. And I always found it humorous because these are biblical names. Right, and they all kind of have like a common thread. Like a whole family of brothers will all share a syllable of the name or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Hezekiah, Hezekiel, Hezekasa, Heze- <laughs> yeah. I don't think those are real, but yeah. They're not. <laughs> If we look up Preston, we have Preston, Preston Native Cat, Preston's Cat, Preston's Princess, Preston Swan, Preston Star, and all of those names that people... Those are all horse names. Those are all horse names. My voice, of course, is not that good for this, so I need someone with a more godlike voice. So I'm, I'm bringing in the genie. Okay. Brian? Genie? How are your federal interrogators? Uncordial, thank you. And your lawyer? She just bought a boat. (laughs) Good for her. So what can I do for you? 
uh, I need your voice for this segment. Oh, yeah. I want you to do my name first. And Ryan beget, Ryan out loud, Ryan's thunder, and Ryan's walking tall. Ryan's thunder, having earned God's favor through tedious and repetitive tasks, was blessed with Ryan's glory, Ryan's child, Ryan's daughter, Ryan's miracle, and Ryan's inheritance. Oh, not bad. Uh, why don't you do yourself next? Do Genie. Genie was blessed by the Lord with three children. Genie in the skies, Genie's thunder, and Genie's flight. Genie's thunder then begat Genie's blade, and Genie's blade, being the most awesome of names, did beget Genie slew. It's a pretty hardcore generation there. <laughs> yeah, it's super metal. Okay, okay, D- do my name. You, anything. And the Lord shone his countenance upon Justin. And Justin did bear three children, Justine, Justina, and Justino. Justino did beget. Justin, Justin it to win it. Justin Nuff, Justin's jalapeno, and Justin squared. And Justin squared, being Justino's most jovial child, did beget a single daughter, who received the name Justin Time Bandit. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, Genie. so I want you to take us out on this game with the word taco. And the Lord said unto Taco, go forth and multiply. And Taco did oblige. Taco begat, Taco Don, Taco Billy, Taco Willie, Taco's moneymaker, Taco Toss, and Taco Bob. Taco Billy begat, Taco Bella, Taco Express, and Taco Road. Taco Willie, Taco Billy's brother, begat, Taco Cat, Taco Pizza, Tacos for Mr. G, and Tacos and Tequila. All right, Jeannie, thank you for your help. Peace. And it's time to close out the show with our cliffhanger idiom. Idiom number five, pony up the dough. Pony up the moolah. Pony up the cash. Pony up the insert term for money. Oh, I didn't realize it had to be followed by a term for money. Typically. uh, And it can also be shortened to just pony up. Yeah, okay. Which means I need to come up with money. I need to find money or... I have to pay for something, so I have to acquire cash for whatever purpose. If you have any legitimate guesses or completely made-up guesses for the origin of pony up the insert term for money, please send them to us. You can tweet us at idiomsidiots, email us, idioms.idiots at gmail.com, or find our Facebook page. Just search for Idioms and Idiots. Our logo is a dictionary with our name on it. Like us on Facebook. We'll see you there. Bye-bye. Adios.